evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, building the Mount Rushmore of American laws, and concluding our discussions on millennials. Before we kick off the show, we on the panel want to extend a huge thank you and express our sincere appreciation for all of the Awana directors, leaders, first listeners, game leaders, and everyone else who helps in any capacity in Bethel's Awana program. So thank you to Puckles director Mandy Miller and team leaders Brooke Winkler and Maddie Wagner, Yay. Cubby director Betty Carroll and team leaders Shannon Vanderman and Connie Fuller, Yay. Sparks director Denise Hooks and team leaders Jessica Wagner, Carolyn Licklider, Debbie Henson, Emma Henson, and listeners, first listeners Donna Coleman and Braden and Kathy James, Kathy James, whoa, sorry. Brandon. Brandon. Well, there's an E. So gotcha. I didn't wasn't I wasn't sure. TNT director Don Kingston and team leaders Dale and Mary Pelton, Yay. Kathy Volmer, Tara Yerke, Rob and Angie Pinnagraf, Secretary Sheila Dickund, and game Yay. leaders Brad Miller and Abigail Wagner, Trek Yay. directors David and Tracy Mails, and team leaders oh, Rick yeah. and Mandy Thomas, Megan Affolder and Tom yeah. and Lindsay Nays, and Dina Wirt, and Awana Commander and Journey Director Brad Banderman Yay. and leaders Craig Licklider and Daryl Kimsey. Make sure when you are getting your kids after Awana tonight to show the leaders a little appreciation. Yep. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. And out of breath. Out of breath and probably going to cough throughout the whole show. Joining me in first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston, dad, mm -hmm. and the spirit of leader appreciation night, who is a church leader that made an impact on you in your childhood. Lord help. Just one? No, you can, you can name a few. Okay, so the three pastors that I have had other than my father, which my father arguably impacted me more than anyone because he had the, the most time to do so. But Jerry Jolly, uh, John Smith, Larry Sykes, all three of those men have poured in and invested in me. And then <coughs> Gerald Mitchell, I would have to say, impacted me probably as much as anybody, but just, just through his preaching. I've yet to hear anyone preach with the passion and resolve and conviction that Gerald Mitchell preached with. And fire. And fire. Oh, yeah. Very good. In second chair is Dr. Gavin Hooks. Who is a church leader that made an impact on you in your childhood? For sure, uh, John Smith. I share commonly with, with Ben. Um, Bill Goodwin. Bill Goodwin was here for just a very short period of time, but had a huge impact on me. Um, was in a here during a tumultuous time of my life and the church's life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so personally and in, in corporately in church, uh, Bill Goodwin, and did what was right, and it cost him. Hmm. So, and and I, I, I don't want to dig anything up, but it's still like he he did the right thing, and and regardless of the cost. Um, Bill Gothard was an early influencer on me. No doubt. Um, and he's fallen, I, I don't know all the controversy associated with him later in life, but I just know his early teachings were impactful on me. Um, Still are, to this that's day. Right. That makes me think. Uh, I looked at new things with his prejudices that he's, mm -hmm. that he's placed in my mind. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And finally, in our third chair panelist, Ryan Mayberry, who is a church leader that made an impact on you in your childhood. Uh, there's been a bunch of them in this church, but the probably the biggest one's Brad Vanderman. He uh, took a lot of his personal time and uh, invested it in me growing up, and it made a huge difference, I can say for sure. Amen. Awesome. Um, a few, to mention a few of mine, would be Mandy Miller. Robin Prater, Steve and Betsy Reed, uh, Mandy Mill and Robin Prater were the Trek leaders when I was in Trek for those three years, and Steve and Betsy Reed were um, team leaders with Brad Banderman and Journey for a few years with me as well. Those in the audience, if you would like to share your own answer to this question, text the number on the screen, and I'll share them throughout the show. This also applies to any other questions or topics of discussion that we broach. As always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post if there is one, and then like and share so that others can join in on the fun. Uh, so like I said, our first segment is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, and Dad was saying this was his favorite Ephesians section. Second only perhaps to the armor passage, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. So, um, again, 
we're in the practical part here, and Paul is trying to show you how to practically live out the amazing, wonderful, beyond words, salvation that you have been given. And so he says here, see then that ye walk circumspectly. And so I don't know if you guys have done any study on that word. Any of you want to take a, a stab at what that word is getting at? Looking at it from all sides, basically. There you go. I'm going to pull it up here in uh, the... Uh, oh, that's how I got my definition. You, I looked, you it looked it up in 1828? <laughs> yep. Perfect, perfect. All right, so looking at it from all sides. And then he says, not as fools, but as wise. So he's telling you it's very wise to not just look at something from your, your point of view. Look at it from, from all sides. You know, the, the golden rule, doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. Well, that's presupposing that you're getting out of your wants and you're trying to put yourself in that other person's situation. Well, how would they want me or how would I want them to treat me type thing, circumspectly. So see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Uh, I don't know if anyone else, and, you know, if I get the mystery topic, we'll talk more about this, but uh, uh, was it Josh that sent you and I, Gavin, the, the text about Washington State? Yes. Okay. So Washington State has, it's in the House, it's, it's past the House, it's now in the Senate, and this is the state legislature. And long story short, if this passes, it's going to be, and the governor signs it, it's going to be essentially illegal for parents uh, to make decisions for their children when it comes to sexual identity and things of that nature. And for me, that is that is landmark. That is mind-blowing. Um, I believe it's a soft start to something that nobody wants to talk about uh, in the United States of America. And so it's very damaging. Well, redeeming the time. You see, we, we don't know when that day's going to come that we're going to wake up and everything's changed. It's not going to matter the cost of gas. It's not going to matter the availability of food. It's going to be full on, you know, uh, whatever that looks like, uh, whether it is full-out persecution of Christianity, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, so... <coughs> We, we've got to be fully aware of what's going on. You know, there in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there was uh, a God was praising a group of people that were aware of the times. In the Old Testament, it was the men of Essachar, and in the New Testament, it was the Berean church. And he said, these folks are aware of the time. They, they have their eyes open open. And so, you know, he's telling you that if, if you're going to take full advantage of this amazing salvation, you're going to walk circumspectly. You're going to be aware of what's going on. You're going to redeem the time. And here it is, because the days are evil. <coughs> Comment? <coughs> Amen. And, and uh, this, this is one of the verses that I used in my layman's uh, topic that you, we did here a few Sundays ago. You, the, when you're young, you're wealthy in time. You feel like you've got time to kill. And as time goes on, you realize that time, ha time has you. And everything that you do in regard to your decisions to what you're going to occupy yourself with comes at a cost. Mm. So I can either spend my time um, playing games, doing my own hobbies, doing my own thing, or I can, I can forfeit that to do things for the kingdom of God. So there, there's a price that comes with redeeming the time. So if you're spending time doing one thing, it comes at the price of doing something else. Mm -hmm. So there's an economy of time that we all have to be wise and consider. And the saying that you say, um, only the things done for Christ will yep. last. One life to live, soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ is, will last. Is a really good standard mm -hmm. to live by. Anyone else along those lines before we move on? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, you know, haven't you ever thought, well, if I just knew what God's will for my life is? Well, the word of God is very clear as to what his will for you is. And here are one, is one of these things. What I'm fixing to tell you is God's will for your life. You ready? Be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God wants every one of his children to be completely, totally controlled by the Spirit of God, by his Spirit. 
That's why he infills you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He indwells you. He possesses you with his spirit. He wants you. So, you know, the whole drunk with wine, people automatically, in America's culture, mm. you know, you, you get sidetracked with that. He's using that as an illustration. When you and I give ourselves to alcoholic beverage, we are under its control. We even say that in our society. He's under the influence. Well, God is saying, per the, you know, through Paul and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, just as you would be controlled by that alcohol if you gave yourself to it, give yourself to the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God control you. Okay? So don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is, is just as a person would be under the control of alcohol if he gave himself to it, you be under the control of the Spirit. Give yourself to the Spirit. And ultimately, well, how do we do that? <laughs> Very clear. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So, you know, you could simplify it and just say, be sure, and, and you know, I call it God consciousness, where you are 24-7 keeping yourself in the spirit. And, and I'm not talking about sitting in a corner and going, boom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, though, being fully aware every word, thought, action, and deed is being lovingly judged by a righteous God and then living your life in such a way that please, to please him and seeking his wisdom in every decision that you make. How do you do that? You, you speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns. So the scripture, hymns, uh, that can be contemporary choruses. You know, I don't think there's any limitation there. Spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. <clears throat> Something that I learned very early in college, music is very spiritual, period, whether it is good music or bad music. Mm. If it's bad music, it's bad spirituality, but it's spiritual. Yeah. And if it's good music, it's good spirituality, you know, and the such. And and so, well, I think God, I mean, God made and crafted music specifically for like it is an instrument of yeah. spirituality. Like right, you're no saying, doubt. it is. There's something very special about music because it, it transcends languages. Mm -hmm. it, it transcends um, genders, like mm -hmm. and and ethnicities. Like it's a facilitator. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, it, yeah, it definitely is a transit for whatever it's trying to portray to you and the best explanation that's helped me to kind of appreciate art because i growing up i really didn't have much um but the best way i've heard it said was that good art raises you to a state above what you are now Very so good. if the artist that is making whatever type of art it is has nothing above themselves if they are the highest priority in their life it's not going to get any higher than what they are so it's not really going to elevate you to any right. higher level amen and then this last one here, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, it reminds me of the core principle. You know, uh, if we're going to be who God wants us to be, we're going to be submitting to God in fear, loving fear, reverential fear, and we're going to be submitting to our brothers in humility. We're taking them into account. Uh, God loves you too much to let you hurt the very people that you need. And they need you, and and you know that we're doing. Uh, I, I, that we've got a video that talks about marriage, and one of the things that the guy says is that before he got married, he, he believed he needed uh, someone to love him. But the deeper he got into marriage and <coughs> scriptural, you know, viewpoint, he realized his greatest need was to be needed. From someone to love them and so so when he's knocking himself out for his wife's needs that that's that's the greatest fulfillment for him and and vice versa you know if, if just one side's doing it that that stinks but but still it's still the right thing to do even when the other side's not doing it uh but but then that marriage that where both of them are knocking each other out are knocking themselves out for each other's <laughs> needs. I did that the other day. You don't want to knock your spouse out, but I want to be clear on that. You want to knock yourself out, and that's a figurative <coughs> speech for the needs of your spouse. 
All right. So the, this entire passage could be could be like a three week study, oh, um, yeah. talking about walking circumspectly and then being under the influence of the Spirit. And I was just thinking about how, for me, maturing or as as I mature, I know I'm still I'm a long ways from it, but still trying. The uh, this passage talks about this walking circumspectly in the influence of the Holy Spirit, and and then ultimately ending with submitting yourself to other to one another in fear. If you're if you really want to stay close to the Lord, and I, I really, my love for the Lord has gotten so deep and so strong. It saved me from many wrong attitudes and deeds in my later life because my filter's gone. You, you can testify that. You've heard me at the lunch table at Sunday. <laughs> filter's gone. <clears throat> so it's kept me from many sins. But I, my resistance to sin is, is gone too, but my love for the Lord's never been stronger. And if I'm going through life and I'm asking him constantly throughout the day, Lord, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You'll find out, you'll get a circumspect answer. Mm-hmm. You'll get an answer from him. And you'll, be, uh, you'll have a Holy Spirit-guided um, answer. And in your walk with the Lord, I think that's the best way to <coughs> involve yourself in his work, is to say, what do you think about this, Lord? What, this person just said something that's pretty slightful to me or has just done something that really angers me what do you think about this lord mm-hmm. and it, and just just make yourself be still and listen for the answer you'll get an answer amen you, you will get an That's answer right. it may be a revelational answer and it may be an answer you don't like um, but you'll get an answer and if you submit yourself to the lord uh, it will ultimately it will almost always lead to you submitting to the needs of someone else a lot of times somebody does something wrong to you because they have a need in their life that's not met and they have a false belief that needs to be intervened on. Um, if you ask the Lord what he thinks about somebody, some situation that you're in, just stop for a minute, for a minute and listen. He'll answer. Amen. Are we, are we, are we good? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Abru- Perfect abru- timing. Stop there, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm the, I can't talk too much or I'll just keep coughing. So I was thinking, I'll save my voice, but then no one else was talking. I have uh, <coughs> two texts from people sharing appreciation. Um, one of them is to his cousin Leroy, Father Gallagher, and Pastor Ben. And then someone else sent in Cindy from Friendship, Stephen Betsy Reed, Ben Kingston, and Don Burnett. Hmm. Is this a different Don? No, I'm Oops. just kidding. Um, so our next segment, I'm so sorry. Okay, so this is actually kind of funny. When I sat down to do this, granted, I sat down to prepare at uh, 6 o'clock tonight. Um, <laughs> well, but you had sent this out two days before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Mount Rushmore of American Laws, I started to sit down, and I'm like, well, this is stupid. We're just going to write the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so, like, so that's fair game. Yeah. I just Absolutely. was going laws, not constitutionals. So. Yeah, and so, and that's what I was hoping that... Some people kind of took it differently because, honestly, when I said, when I was trying to come up with these, because it was a lot, I was thinking, like, you know, there's some laws that are just weird. Like, you can't beat your wife on the court steps in Arkansas on Sundays. And then there's some that you can't eat ice cream on your porch in Virginia on Tuesdays. You know, like, weird laws like that is what I was thinking. But because I didn't have enough time to really pull those up, I just have the Bill of Rights on mine. So (laughs) I'll just tell you, that's what I got. That's, That's my top four is those. Well, okay, the first one in the first Bill of Rights. Well, so not but, the but, whole. Put them, but put them in your Mount Rushmore, four to one. Okay, so four is protest or whatever, you know, and then free speech, bear arms, and freedom of religion. Okay, so I've got number four, right to own property. Yeah. Three, right to bear arms. <coughs> two, free speech. And three, freedom to worship. I don't really care about protesting. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> if it, well, I haven't been a part of one yet, but... Uh, well, see, I, I, I kind of got confused because I didn't know if that included the Constitution or if it was just law. So the number four, I put speed limits because that's, <laughs> that's the one that most personally affects me. And I've paid the most for But I was waiting to like, you like that law or oh, you? Yeah. It's the t- well, I don't like it. But no. Yeah, that's no, good. because it's, it's the one that. It, no, is yes, it really? Can ultimately, he probably yes. <laughs> but that. I, I'm going to plead the fifth. But is it a law? Because before. Nixon 
put in, and the only reason why he put in the 55 speed limit is because just like now, gas was soaring, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just tell you to go 55 because it's the best as far as gas mileage and, like, saving money on gas, so we'll make sure that everyone obeys the speed limit law to help with gas. But really, it's just the big brother putting his fist down, <laughs> and it's not fair. Before that, it was just whatever you thought See was safe. See how powerful this law is? The speed limit to get everybody, everybody's in passion. But it's the one that affects me so personally I hate it. the most. <laughs> I'm not a, not a fan of it, but it, it does provide safety uh, for And it probably, as far as safety goes, it's probably the one that keeps more people from dying than yeah. any other. Yeah. Uh, keep, keeping people speed under control. Look, I'm self-confessed violator. Um, num- number I'm proud, three. <laughs> proud violator. Sorry, three, guys. conceal and carry. I, I think mm. that is yeah. self-defense. I, so I, I was doing, just doing the law part of the Second Amendment. Um, and uh, laws against illegal search and seizure, I think mm. that's a protection of property also. And then my number one, I just mixed it up a little bit, the law of non-contradiction. It's not an American law, but it's the law that reigns supreme in the in jurisprudence. You can't say one thing, uh, one thing that's the opposite of the other, and they both be true. Um, right. So it's a law of evidence, if you will, or, or um, prosecution. It's, it's a way to find the truth. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. So I just picked, like, four of the amendments I think are important because I was thinking of state laws but then it said United States laws so right. it implies federal um, so and, and we're not okay to, we, we can never ask Molly a question for clarification we no, just got to no that's against the rules <laughs> talk about big brother's fitness <laughs> big sister yeah so anyway number four I went with amendment 10 um, any powers not delegated to the federal government go to the states that's a pretty mm. important one um, number three is Amendment 6. It's about you know the pr- uh, prosecution process and having a fair trial, being able to face your accuser, mm-hmm. also very important. Um, number one and two are kind of intertwined, but it's the First and Second Amendment. The First Amendment is loaded. It gives you the freedom of religion and of speech and of protest and of assembly. Yeah, <laughs> right. and press. So it's very important, so it should probably be number one. But then the other one, obviously, is the Second Amendment, because if you don't have the First and Second, you can't express your thoughts freely and you can <coughs> enforce them freely right. so yep. you need those second amendment protects the others mm-hmm. right right yeah and and just to clarify i didn't specifically say that nixon was just addressing <laughs> a symptom not the problem that's the only reason why and yes no it's i think about it a lot when i learned when i learned that 55 was a bogus speed Arbitrary. limit it's not because of safety it's because of gas prices it it's ticked me off so <laughs> really I wouldn't really it's that. a soap it's a soapbox well, yeah but if they did it now for gas prices it'd be 25 right <laughs> it'd be just stay home yeah yeah, yeah. i have a text in missouri want. it's against the law to have men and women and women in a house with a locked door. Wait, okay, hold on, what? It's against the law to have man and woman in a house with locked door, meaning, like, I can't lock my door. I'm confused. If you would like to send clarification, Clarify. I would read it. I will read it. I'm a little, uh, I'm blunt. Unmarried people. Oh, no. If you're married, you can lock the door. Oh, if you're not married, you can't lock the door. I see, yeah. Well, how are they going to, how, how are well, you supposed to? So, so that's an antiquated law. Yeah. It, well, yeah. It, it, but it's still on the books is what he's saying. Right, it yeah. It could be construed well, and as kidnapping is probably yeah. what they're thinking behind it. Well, and or, or if it was immoral. Just immoral, you know. Uh, <coughs> that goes back to. I mean, even back then, though, how would, you, how, would, how would you check that? How would you know? The nosy neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back in the day. Uh, there were laws on the books that uh, as you approached a town, you had to stop at the border of the county and get out and declare, my I'm name is so-and-so, and I am coming into the county. I am, I'm coming in peace. True, true story. Once again, antiquated. Oh. Very good. Oh, wait, I got another text. Let's see. Mystery topic. Oh, never mind. Okay, mystery topic. Let's see who is on the wheel. It should be between, I believe, Uncle Gavin and Dad, right? Are the two that were... Well, it's just arm wrestling. Yeah. Okay. Let me get yeah, back no. to my mystery topic. Let's see if I can find it here. It may just be you, bro. Okay, I've got, I've got mine. Do we have the I wheel, Kenneth? Kenny? He's, Jamie says you're just back there talking. Um, okay, I was going to say, I could probably talk more about the speed limit if we wanted to. No, we don't want to do that. 
forgot how that. I don't think I've won that thing yet. <laughs> You've had. You have. I have never won that. Did you want to? <laughs> All right, my my mystery topic is being a good employee. Mm. Uh, this is from timing. the yeah. This is from the uh, employer side of things. I'm, this may be more uh, tips to people who are looking for a job than it is for. Um, but if you're interviewing for a job, let's say, let's say from start to finish, some things some things about being a good employee. One, don't ever apply for a job that you don't think you will enjoy what you do. Hmm. Don't ever apply for that job. And if it's only about money, don't do it. If it's only about money, don't do it. Find something that you enjoy doing, and you will succeed at it. Um, the money will come, but don't don't take a job just for the money. And when you're approaching the owner for that job, be friendly. Be friendly. Relax. Have fun in the interview. The that's interpreted by an employer as confidence. When you're just relaxed and having fun, be be friendly. Um, and then, as if you get the job offer. Um, You've been given a trust. Don't don't take that lightly. And as an employer, what I love is when I hire someone who takes responsibility for the things that I put them in charge of, and I don't have to keep checking on them. I don't have to come back and see if it's done. I don't have to ask them, then come back and see if it started, then come back again and see if it started. <laughs> so come back again and see if it's completed. <coughs> Come back again and see if it's completed. This is from personal experience. This isn't things I'm just making up. Take responsibility. Be teachable. I think a hard thing that, and we're going to talk about millennials, is they have a hard time taking instructions. Yeah, and and this isn't meant as a shot. I think this generation thinks they have to know everything. That's a flaw. And And they do. And yes, and they some some think that they do. Some think that they have to know everything. Or bluff uh, someone into th- making them believe that they they know what they're doing, and it's so obvious sometimes. I, I, I mean, I, I'm saying this to my shame. I asked a person one time if they knew how to do something. It was actually just medicate a dog's eye, and they said, "Sure, I've done it before." They they had been hired as a technician, and I actually saw the person before I could stop them put the tube on the dog's eye and put the medicine on the dog's eye. Ah. <coughs> You said you knew how to do that. Don't say here. yes. <laughs> don't say you know how to do something if you don't. It's no shame. Right. Learn how to do it correctly. So be teachable. And, of course, be respectful. Uh, you, the person that has hired you has probably been doing it a lot longer than you have. So give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I, I just feel like sometimes that people, when they think they have to know everything, feel the need to be disrespectful in order to back up their expertise. Mm. And that, that's, that's kind of a poor, poor way to phrase it, but I've just gotten that impression. <coughs> what, what, what think you? <coughs> Being a good employee. I liked it all, but I'd push back just a little bit on the first point of don't ever accept a job that you don't think you'll like. I think sometimes, depending on what situation you're in, sometimes you have to take a job just because there's an opportunity, not necessarily because it's your passion. Which goes back to kind of uh, one of the points I made before of, you know, Mike Rowe has said it, but he said, you know, never follow your heart, but take it with you everywhere you go. That was his point is if you don't really know what you want to do, you don't really know what you like. Sometimes you have to go out and just find Mm -hmm. where an opportunity is and then you can find passion. Yeah. But I do see you wouldn't want to stay there forever if you hate. Yeah. Don't. And maybe I'm thinking about in career sense. Don't don't get it into a career that you that you're going to live the rest of your life doing something Mm -hmm. just for the money. Well, and, and I think everybody will be miserable yeah. at that one. I think there's also all like hard lines or like hard passes. Like I could never be a nurse because I can't stand needles. So like that's even though that's something I think I would enjoy in the caregiving aspect, in the other aspects I would not. I couldn't do it. So, I, but at the same time, I hate the phrase of love what you do because it's like I would love to stay at home and read and do nothing, <laughs> but I can't get paid to do that. So I'm, there's always going to be a little bit of my job that I'm going to dislike. Even if you love the job, there's always going to be something about it that true. you dislike. So I don't even know in this fallen world that there's ever going to be anything that you love completely and wholly with no kind of things. I don't know. I just, it's true. like, I'm not happy. <clears throat> don't try to make me happy with those cute little phrases. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Well, I feel like we're launching into a counseling session. <laughs> Listen, I had my. I said it was good timing because I had my evaluations recently, and I did great. So I have. Not yeah. Fine. Have a, have a degree. Just don't tell me I love my job. Right. right exactly. Right. Well, so, and I always feel so bad because I have to lie. You know, how, how do you like your job? Do you are you enjoying it? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I I see myself here in ten years. So <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Swanberg went to seminary for nine years, and finally his father says. Good night, Dennis. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. So, you know, there, there's a whole lot of fingers to this discussion. I, I think the caveat is, Ryan, you're coming from the employee side of it. Gavin's coming from it, the employer. And, you know, granted, we have some evil, wicked people in this nation that have used capitalism, you know, as a greedy source, yada, yada, yada. But the rank and file, small business owner especially, they want their employees to enjoy what they're doing. And, and, and they want them to have fun with it. And they want to find people that want to be there. Yeah. And, and it's just very difficult right now to do that. Yeah, and I would say, though, like, again, coming from the employee's position... If the employer does a really good job of creating a healthy environment, and mm. I mean that from every different mm. aspect that 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 can come from, then the employee will love the job. Mm. Like, I thoroughly enjoy the fact that I have people with me in the classroom. Like when I tried to sub, and I was the only adult in the room, surrounded by snotty-nosed children, I couldn't handle it. It was right. my mind. I felt like my mind was breaking into tiny little pieces. But having other adults in there supporting mm-hmm. me and knowing that I have adults in every step of leadership supporting me mm-hmm. is very encouraging, and it, and it helps make the job much easier and better. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it more because I know I have people there with me. Amen. And I, I, maybe I overstated it. You, you don't have to love every aspect of the job, but if you don't like any of the aspects yeah, of the right, job, no, exactly. don't, don't come to my... Yeah, that's yeah. fair with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's yeah. fair. That's, if you hate animals, <laughs> don't come hate, to the veterinarian if clinic. If you hate animals, you hate people, you hate work, don't don't apply. <laughs> we, we had a pastor for years that would say, and he meant it, he was as sincere as he could be, I'd be a great pastor if it wasn't for my people. And he'd say that without a smile, you know. And I'm like, I don't think you understand pastoring. <laughs> right. I really it's, don't. It's all you about don't. people. Yeah. You're in the wrong the, job, the, bro. The term itself is about shepherding it's people. One yeah. of those instances where if everyone around you is uh, making you miserable, maybe you're making that's, you that's miserable. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. You're the, you're the yeah. problem. You're the problem. <laughs> uh, I have some text. Also, don't go for a job with the idea that you should make the highest pay. I will say that is a huge thing with millennials, and it's just because that they've they've been taught that, that – you graduate, you go to college, you get your degree, and then you'll get this amount of money once you get that degree. And it's just not the case. It's never how the <laughs> how the job industry has worked, but it's what they've told them. Like, if you yeah. do this, then this is what you'll get. And mm-hmm. it's just not how that so happens. So true. There's so much more than knowledge <coughs> yeah. to success of the job. Yeah. And a lot of people arrive, arrive with the degree expecting the pay yeah. and then not able to bring the... Right. Well, and then like you said, like be willing to learn. A lot of them come thinking that they now know everything about this area and then realize, no, I know almost nothing because each company is different, especially like how they handle things. Yeah. There's so Everybody many different, different aspects. skill set. Everybody yeah. has something they can contribute, you can learn from. Yeah. So one thing I want to ask you guys while we're talking in this subject, um, when I was growing up, uh, the word... <coughs> Ambition was a positive word. Somewhere, though, around 25 to, to 30, that word became a, a dirty word. You know, he's just full, full of ambition. I'm like, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a, a good thing. He, he's got drive. He wants to do stuff. Those are and people who are upset with where they're at. I guess. I guess. Because we've taken ambition out of it. Yeah. You know, as long as I got enough money to get a McDonald's burger, I'm good. <laughs> What? Amen. Yeah, where's yeah. the ambition at? Get out there and you know do it. Make it. Make up. McDonald's way. burgers cost more than they used There's to no too. Doubt. So you better get out there and get to work, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, someone did. 
give an example to Ryan's statement of walking through doors when they open. Like if you want to be an electrician but can't find it and you're offered a carpenter job, there's a possibility you could get to know an electrician if that um, that could come in your path. Words. Right. And yeah. then if you are working as God's employee instead of just a company, it will be more fulfilling. Yeah, definitely. And during Ephesians, I was a lot of times I'm like, you know, life was so much more simple back when when technology wasn't really uh, you know where it is now and i think a lot of times we allow things life to be complex when it is truly simple it is to love god and love others and so, everything else is you know side amen. talking about uh <laughs> words like you said bill gothard bill gothard pushed the whole thing of when you go to work Make your employer successful. Mm. If you will make him successful, nine times out of ten, he will make you successful. And that's the only way they can. If you're not making them money, I mean, how are they supposed to pay you? That's right. Right. Work is unto the Lord, and that I I use that in the book with a with a core principle. When when you know Jesus said that, or the he told the people who asked the question, "Love God is first commandment and loving others is like it to like so it. it's just like loving god to love others so in that statement if you work for others as unto the lord it's the same concept mm-hmm. um it, you don't work for an individual you work for the lord in every aspect of your life and one person may be between you and the lord but you're working ultimately for the lord for that person or through that person um, keep that in mind you're you're loving the lord by loving that person, respecting them, and working for them, and making them successful. So, um, and then to bring moderation to all of this, which not that we need to moderate scripture, we, we need to live that to the fullest. This is almost I'm trying an attempt at, at humor here. Bob Rapold says you need at least one lazy guy on every job because he's going to find the easiest way to get it done. Okay, it and, takes all kinds. Uh, that's right. But he said you only need one. Yes. <laughs> if you get two, you won't get anything done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have one last text is just to be humble. And it's a trait that they always admire, you know, I That's think right. of being disrespectful. Right. It, to be humble, to be like, oh, I don't know this. Please teach me. That would be very refreshing to me. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's, let me show you. And, and I, you know, and, and I've been doing this 25 years. I'm still learning new stuff. Mm. And, and some of the technicians that I hire come in with, with techniques that I've never seen before. And I'm, I'm always asking, show me how to do it. Cool. You know, so you, you trade knowledge. You're never the pinnacle of your <laughs> career. You're, you're never um, all of that. You've never arrived. <coughs> Keep learning. It's, it's fun. <coughs> Keep it fun. What is it? I watched a video that said, we know 1% of all the knowledge that there is to know. Mm. And I forgot about a half a percent. So. Right. No <laughs> doubt. And I don't understand the other half. So. <laughs> we good on that segment? Um, I did have one last text, and then we can move on. I had a high school graduate applying for a job, said he was offered a good yeah, job up the street, but they didn't want to pay me what I'm worth. And there are definitely some businesses that can't afford to. or yep. But that's what I say. Like if, they, if the employer creates a good environment, the employees will be happy. Yep. And you may gain skills there that, that you're, you're working for less pay, but you're gaining skills there. Right, you can exactly. take someplace else exactly. and offer. Exactly. Uh, Christina says if you're working as, uh, working as God's employee instead of just in a company, it will be much more fulfilling. Amen. Yeah. And I'm okay with the whole thing of they're not willing to pay me, quote, unquote, what I'm worth. Unless, as a result, he's going to sit at home. Right. And then I'm not okay with that because God blesses work, period, end of story, no matter what you're getting paid. Go ahead. I think Ryan was getting that. The door's open. Yeah, go through the door and then, but keep looking, you know. And I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times in 25 years somebody will come to me and say, Brother Ben, I I, I need a job. (coughs) I've got this opportunity, but it's really not in my career path, yada, yada, yada. And I'll say, well, then start there, but keep looking, mm-hmm. keep looking, and they're like, "Oh, well, yeah, I guess I could." Right? <laughs> Why not? You can do both. Like, you don't yeah, have you to just limit to yourself. While you're looking for something. Right? Else. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, it. awesome mystery topic, Uncle Ken. Heard another Very guy good. say it. Uh, I'm still better than him. <laughs> he said it. Uh, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. Mm. And that's uh, good, good wise Ooh, advice. Hey, real quick, uh, what's his name? Haggy, John Haggy. He uh, had a guy in his church that was in a dead-end job, but it was paying the bills. And so he worked uh, basically uh, five days a week, 
And so <coughs> John said, well, what about that barbecue sauce that I ate at your house that you said that you made yourself? He said, well, yeah, but I ain't got time to do that. And he said, sure you do. He said, on Saturday, just make as much of that stuff as you can and sell it and, and go from there. He said, work five days for the man, one day for you, and then give the Lord one day. And that's what he did. He became very successful. He quit his job because the, the barbecue sauce was selling so good. So there you go. There you go. Self-made. All right, we're getting into our precarious moment um, time, but it's we have purpose. the break. To, I know. I will admit Stop. that this millennial section has been the toughest for me, um, but take it or leave it, do we have, do we want to share take it or leave it? That was our break. Hey, I found I got a kind of a poor man's uh, strawberry shortcake. I, I just happened to have uh, half of a loaf of angel food cake from the uh, dessert we had Sunday, and I cut a slice of that, and I said, man, it just needs something. So I put on some strawberry jam on that. Man, man, I had instant strawberry shortcake. Yeah. Take it or leave it. I mean, I'll take it. Put some strawberries. Apple butter on some uh, cornbread today. It was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anything sweet. I I don't have any take it or leave it. Okay. I left it. Wow. (laughs) Well. I had brain block. I couldn't think of nothing. I even prayed. The only thing. I even prayed. I even prayed and I got nothing. The only thing that I could come up with because of some videos talking about aliens and UFOs, was human settlement on Mars in 10 years. Take it or leave it. Oh, I'll leave it. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't... And I'm not saying you have to be in the settlement, but, like, you know, just the thought of, like, there's a human settlement. I I feel like we need something to strive for. I mean, we've landed on the moon back in the day. We've, you know, we've done this, we've done that, but... What but we did, we, did we really land on the moon? Okay. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> back, back to Nixon. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make that Perfect. 55 speed limit thing makes him seem so small now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So do we know what chapter we're on? No. No. Okay. It, the last chapters of the millennial segment. So like 44 all the way to 50, I think, all something. Right. So so let's, uh, let's summarize, okay? Uh, chapter 44, this is reality number four uh, of, of millennials, okay? And, and j- just for review, boys and girls, um, reality number three was a new type of education that millennials have gone through. And this is where our education system, meaning the, uh, you know, graduate level, so past 12th grade. And we could certainly argue that, that high schools are into this too, but certainly secular federally funded schools. I think it's K. I think it's K through college. All but I, but, public but education. But this particular chapter was working towards Just, the graduate level. Okay. I, I am agreeing with you, though, okay. that I think you can say that, especially <coughs> in the bigger cities. Yeah. Uh, and that is, is that they are no longer teaching our children how to critically think, but they're, they're teaching our children what they think that they should think. Yeah. And so it's a new type of education. That's reality number three. Mm-hmm. Reality number two, millennials are not traditional. Well, right, because they've been taught not to accept anything that their parents tell them, things of that nature. Well, and that it was all evil. Like, right, it was it's, evil. it's tradition. It's a racist-based <coughs> system, yada, yada, yada. Reality number one, millennials breathe a dip- different atmosphere uh, and the such. So uh, those were the first three. So reality number four, no boundaries, and few facts. So uh, they have cast off. And, and, you know, again, this sounds like we're attacking, you know, young people. We, we are not attacking young people. We are trying to state uh, in clear terms where we believe we're at with this, these generations and where we need to be with these generations and how to reach them where they're at and get them where they need to be. And so, you know, they, they've been taught in school, K through 12, and certainly in college, that uh, everything that you're, you know, all the rules and regulations, baloney on that. You know, uh, <coughs> the sexual revolution, you know, all these things. Uh, it's all a relative. What do you think? That, that's what do right. you feel? That's right. And facts if it's are, not hurting anyone, it's right. okay. That's right. So f- facts are not beneficial. Uh, but the solution to number four is science and facts show the benefit of boundaries. But again, he says, 
you've got to be willing to get on a relational level with these people because they're not going to accept facts and figures Yeah. until, the, until you have a relationship. Right, because they talked in the first few chapters that millennials are very much, or maybe it was Uncle Gavin talked about how we're emotionally mature. So like we function on a much more emotional level than an intellectual level. So if you come at us with all these facts and figures, we just immediately like, don't care. That's like right. it, it, yeah. it means it's nothing. Right. It means nothing to us. Yeah. But if you, you're do just have, doing that to control me. Right. Exactly. And or it's not relationally important to me. Right. right. The people who are important to me, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Right. Right. But if you can build a relationship with them first and then be like, Hey, I'm concerned about you in this area because of these things. Well, <coughs> and, and, you know, <coughs> not to beat a, a dead anything, but, we saw that here to basically homecomings ago when a person was a, a brand new visitor was corrected for a, if you will, fashion statement. And we didn't know this guy from Adam. And someone during the, you know, end time where you do announcements in the service proceeded to castigate this young man for you know, having this fashion statement on. And I, I made it very clear after the fellow <coughs> got quiet, <coughs> we're not going to do that. We're not going to put that type of limit on people. You know, the Word of God is very clear, and, and even though I don't really totally like what I said, <laughs> there's enough rules and regulations in God's Word we don't need to go adding to it. Mm. And so, uh, I, you know, I said in the second service that if you entered into a discipleship situation with this young man and three to six months later after you've earned the right for a hearing, he loves you, you love him, that's the time to have that discussion. You know, hey, I've noticed you wear this particular type of fashion. Why? You know, I wasn't raised that way. I just would love to understand it. Help me understand it. I'm fine with that. And, and that's a closed, you know, room discussion that may not ever see the light of day, you know, uh, because he may be able to help you understand, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, uh, or whatever, or vice versa. So uh, anything else on reality number four? No boundaries and few facts. <coughs> and the solution is uh, science and facts show the benefit of boundaries. Reality number five, their world is feel, filled with weak examples. And, and I couldn't agree more. When you look, uh, and, and I'm not talking about state legislatures, but certainly our national legislature, <coughs> there are very few examples of strong leaders that do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, I won't say a name, but there's a particular very famous uh, leader that uh, her worth before she went to Congress was under $300,000, and she's now $29 million net worth you know so it, well what's going on <laughs> we don't pay her that kind of money you know she's not getting that from her paycheck she's getting that from other means uh and and now that's not to say that the people quote unquote on our side of the aisle aren't guilty of those same things they certainly are to some level uh, and that's why there's very few strong examples of people that are doing the right thing on a national level now on a on a local level, I would love to think that there are plenty. Well, but I was thinking, though, that I think the millennials is one of the first generations to have as many divided homes. Like, yeah. right. most no millennials are coming from one single-parent homes right. or, like, non-married, like, just um, cohabitating right. people. You know, they're not married, but they live together. So it's still not a nuclear family in a lot of ways. and Or living with grandma and grandpa. I mean, I think millennials have... I, those are the weak examples. So, it starts so, at home, I think. Right, the, right absolutely. And the media, of course, is a yeah. crapshoot, if I can say that. The, so the, you did. The, the solution is to model the right example. Even if you find yourself in some of those situations, model the right example. Mm. Do the right thing. Uh, and and the, the, they will see that it's, it's right to do the right thing. What's, what's your famous line, Dr. Hooks, it's always the right time to do the right, the right thing? thing. And the uh, Ravi Zacharias' summary of this generation was they, they hear with their eyes and they think with their feelings. That makes mm -hmm. them very emotionally uh, intelligent. Which is not a bad or wrong thing. 
No, it's just you just different. have to be aware of it. Yeah. <coughs> They've heard so many lies right. from the the transient parent mm-hmm. in their life uh, that they don't believe anything until they see it. Don't hear it till they see it. So number uh, chapter forty six, reality number six, no concrete reality. You know, so this is the whole the relative. Relative truth is relative. You know, what's true for you may not be true for me. Well, it, <laughs> is that true? Yeah, is that true? Exactly. Uh, so the solution number six is judge the results. I think we have enough of this reality going on uh, since about what 1960 that we can look at the statistical results and say this is not working. It's just simply not working, and so. You know, what's the definition of insanity? <coughs> to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Right. That's the definition yeah. of insanity. Uh, y'all jump in at any point here. Uh, reality number we, seven. We only got like a minute, though. So Okay. Reality number seven, millennials are highly relational. So what's the solution? Develop individual friendships and mentoring relationships. I was say, like, when I was reading it, it seemed pretty, like, all of the problems were solved with relationships Modeling and evidence, right. and the evidence came after the relationship, and, and the modeling. That's right. And then you delivered the yeah, evidence. They're not going, to, and and you know I, I'm, well, I admire this to some level. They're not going to accept your facts until they see your heart. Mm. You know what the old saying: people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. It's good stuff. That's of course and the last had, one. Go ahead. And they've had so few. People yeah. that really that cared. cared about them. Advice to millennials and older generations. Uh, <coughs> essentially, what I mean, Molly just summed it up. All right, and then then the last segment is about a biblical biblical, biblical foundation, foundation yep. or a nation. I think. Yep. Um, and I think we only have like three weeks left of BRH. That sounds so right. Hopefully, we will get through Ephesians in the precarious moment. Um, we got to do the armor. Yes, we'll at least get to that. So I believe our word of wisdom is from Ryan tonight. All right, so it is doing the right thing when you don't want to means more than enthusiastically doing the right thing. Okay, say it again. Doing the right thing when you don't want to means more than enthusiastically doing the right thing. Hmm. Because you have to overcome your desire to do the wrong thing to actually do it. Or pay the price for doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you. I I boogered something up this week, and I had to come clean on it. I had, I I could tell it had an impact on the staff more than it did on me. I really didn't want to confess to this mess up, but tried a new technique in in a dental procedure, and it didn't go well. So, had to call the owner and fess up. If something comes up, I guess I'm buy, I'm paying for it. So, <laughs> are you telling me that the dog has a crooked smile? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> What's that? Are you telling me the dog has a crooked smile? Essentially, yes. Actually, it's, it's a little bit more strange than that. Joker, like, you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> All right. So thanks. the dog goes, mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yes. Invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives Let's just next week. this dog could sneeze and a little bit of tooth come out. Ooh, and share the word on your socials. Good night and God bless.